0: It's great to have you. Um, and we're actually wrapping up a series called Uncomfortable Conversations. Come on, it wasn't that bad, was it? I mean, we've had some hard conversation. We dove into some difficult topics. And let me just say, if we didn't talk about one of the topics you suggested, my apologies. We will definitely cover it and hit it sometime in the future. Um, but today, uh, we're gonna be wrapping up this series. We're gonna be kicking off something new for the month of September next week. Um, and, and here's what we're going to talk about, right? We're going to actually talk, we, I figured it'd be fitting since this series is coming to an end that it would be good to talk about the end of the world, right? How many of you, we love to talk about the end of the world, right? Not really, right? Not everybody likes to talk about it, right? I mean, and again, if you're visiting with us, you know, um, you know just, just be patient. I'm sorry oh, we're talking about the end of the world. I just thought it'd be good to end this series on a bang, right? Pun intended, pun intended, there we go. Don't quit your day job, Devin, right? So um, here's the deal though, even though we don't like to talk about end of the world stuff, isn't it amazing how many movies there are about the end of the world, right? It's like every other week they're coming out with a new movie about how the world's coming to an end and and, uh, it's just crazy, but but we all are fascinated with it in some way, we're all a little squeamish of what's gonna happen and I think it's uncomfortable because, we, you know, we don't want to think about death. We don't want to think about the earth ever ending and, and life as we know it coming to an end. So that's just uncomfortable, right? Sometimes it's uncomfortable because when we think about the world coming to an end, we think about these kind of people, right, who are standing out in the street corner somewhere saying, the end is near, repent, turn around, right? And, and, and so we're just like, well, we don't want to be one of those people. So that's just uncomfortable. So it's not there. Sometimes we don't like to talk about it because there's just so many conspiracy theories out there, right, so many views, right, you get someone talking about the, the end of the world, and they share their conspiracy theory, you're like, oh my goodness, this guy's crazy, or this woman, you know, what are they thinking, right? And so there are just so many different thoughts. I mean, there's so many secular views out there. There's so many scientific views out there. And honestly, there's a lot of different biblical views about what's gonna happen at the end of the world. There's different people that believe Jesus is coming back, and then there's gonna be a tribulation time, and then the end of the world. Some people believe that we're all gonna be in the tribulation, and then Jesus is gonna return and wrap things up. So there's different views and conflicts on that. Some people believe that, you know, because it says in Revelation that Jesus is going to come back and reign on the earth for a thousand years. Some people think that hasn't happened yet. They're called premillennial. Some people think that that's not a generation premillennial, okay, just for the record, right? Um, Some people believe that that has already happened and we're post-millennial, we're post that millennial. Listen, there's so many different views. And let me just make a confession here before I go too much further on this, okay? Here's the confession. I am not a professor of eschatology, okay? Eschatology is the big name that says it's the study of the end of times, especially in relationship to the Bible. That's what eschatology means. I'm not a professor of it. And you might say to yourself, well then why am I even taking time to listen to you, Devin, right? Well, here's what we're gonna do today as we talk about this very important topic, and I think we should talk about it. We probably don't talk about it enough. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna just come back to what this word says. We're just gonna come back to what this word says. And we're going to look at what this word says. And not only are we going to come back to what this word says, but I just believe with all my heart it's the conviction of this church and the leadership of this church that these words in this book are real. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus' words are real. Amen? Right, listen, when I when I look at Jesus and I and I see him say, uh, you know, blind man, you know, see again, and he speaks and he can see again, or or he, he says, get up, pick up your mat and go, and the and the lame man can get up and, and go. When he says to the to the wind and, and the storm on the sea, be still and peace, right? And all of a sudden peace goes over the seas, right? Like when he says certain words, things happen. And not only did he have these miracles that he spoke and things happen, but Jesus said multiple times, listen, I know you're following me, but they're going to take me into Jerusalem and they're going to crucify me. And guess what happened? That happened, right? He was crucified. He said, don't worry though, because after three days, I'm going to rise again. And what happened? Three days later, right? Jesus rose again, right? Jesus said, don't be upset. I'm leaving and going with my father, but I am sending the Holy Spirit. Guess what came? The Holy Spirit, right? So I say all this to say, I just feel like the greatest professor of eschatology is Jesus Christ. And that his words mean more than anything else. And that is why we're just coming back to Jesus' words and we're going to just look at it. Okay, it says in Timothy, it says that we shouldn't get together and have controversies over insignificant topics and so we're not gonna start this controversy over pre-trib, post-trib, pre-millennial, post-millennial. You know, I'm not gonna have some like secret formula between Daniel and Thessalonians and Revelation for you that you're gonna leave and be like, Wow, new Devin just shared something I never knew. But we're gonna look at God's word and we're gonna see what does God's word say so clearly that we cannot deny it. And so, if you if you got a Bible with me to, with you today, or if you have a device with you today, you can grab uh, grab it, turn to Matthew chapter twenty four, and uh, and we're going to read all of Matthew twenty four today. We are not going to put it on the screen. Everybody who's sad, say, aww. listen." Becca would have been doing overtime, spending all week putting in the word. There's a lot of words here, right? So we're going to just look at Matthew 24. I'm just going to read it. If you want to follow along, like I said, on the U version app, we have the notes on the U version app, or, or, or pull it up on Google, uh, whatever you want to do, or just listen along, okay? But here we go. Lord, bless your word and speak to our hearts. Thank you, Jesus, that your words are recorded for us. And thank you, Jesus, that they are reliable. Thank you, Jesus, you prove yourself over and over and over again, and we can trust you. Lord, help us, even on some of these things we don't fully understand, to know what we can understand. In Jesus' name, amen. And so this is what it says. It says, Jesus left the temple and was going away. And when his disciples came to, a, came to point out to him the buildings of the temple, um, but he answered them, you see all these things, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Okay, so basically they're leaving the temple area. They're like marveling. Oh, look at this amazing temple. Look how beautiful it is. And Jesus is like, don't you recognize that not one of these stones in this temple is going to be standing in a little bit? It's all going to be thrown down, right? And then he says, and as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us. When will these things be? I mean, you just said the whole temple's being thrown down. When will this all happen? When will this be? Right? What is the sign, here we go, of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes and rumors of wars. I'm sorry, earthquakes of various places. And all these are but the beginning of birth pains. They will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray and because lawlessness will be increased For the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now just think about this for one second. Here, Jesus with 12 disciples. No one really believing in him, and he's proclaiming that the gospel is going to be spoken. His words are going to be carried through all the entire world. Can you imagine how hard that must have been for him to believe that this would eventually start happening, right, for, for all the disciples? But has it happened? Has the gospel been going forth? Yes, it has. Another reason to trust Jesus here, right? Verse 15. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place Let the readers understand what he's talking about there is Daniel prophesied that an antichrist would rise up and be worshiped in the temple and it would be an abomination to God. It says, then let those who are in Judea Flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down and take what is in his house. Let the one who is in the field not turn back and take his cloak. And at last for women who are pregnant, for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, like it will never will be. I'm sorry, no, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human would ever be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Again, Devin, thanks for the encouraging message today, right? Keep reading, keep reading. Encouragement's coming. It says says, then if anyone says, look, here's the Christ... Or there he is, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand, so that if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Then he says this He says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. It says, then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with power and great glory, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to another. He continues in verse 32, for for from the fig tree learn its lesson. For as soon as the branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you know he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as it was in the days of Noah, so the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, and one will be taken, and one will be left. Two will be that the grinding mill. One will be taken, and one will be left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if they would have stayed awake uh, and would not have left his house to be broken into, therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then? is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom the master will find doing so when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions but if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with the drunkards, the master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and the hour does he, that he does not know. And he will cut him into pieces and put him with the hypocrites. And in that place, they will be weeping and gnashing Now listen, if you're reading that, listen, you can go home and keep reading chapter 25 because all of chapter 25 continues of Jesus in the context of his return and how we must be ready. And here again is what I want to talk about today. God's word is very clear on a couple things, not just in this passage, but in other scriptures. If you have your bulletin on the back, there's a lot of other scripture references. I'm not going to talk about them all, but if you want to look them up, there's multiple places where the word of God says the same thing, and we can trust and know that it's real. So we're going to just talk a couple things of what God says is clear, and then we're going to talk about a couple things that we should do about it. Okay, you guys ready? Here we go. Listen, number one, Jesus is returning. Okay? Jesus said he is returning. He says, then it will appear in heaven the sign, right, of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great power and glory. He's going to send his angels out with a loud trumpet call. He's going to gather all his children. Listen, I'm not taking this out of context. This isn't some crazy parable. It is clear Jesus is coming back at some point. I understand we've been waiting. I understand you can look and say, it's been 2,000 years, he's not. Coming, but no, the word says over and over and over again the sky is going to open up. It says you're going to see Jesus from one side of heaven to the other. It's like lightning that scatters the sky, and we will see him. And he's not coming in, in mercy and in meekness, he's coming in power and he's coming in glory. And there are going to be people who are mourning when they see him because they rejected the word of God. And there's going to be people who are shouting and exciting and worshiping just like we were doing because they know that he's coming for them. Listen, if that's not enough, what happened to Jesus after he rose again? Anybody want to tell me? What happened after Jesus rose again? Why isn't Jesus still walking on the earth? Because it says in Acts chapter 1 that he ascended to heaven, right? And there are the disciples, and and, and they're talking to Jesus, and he's on the Mount of Olives. And it says in Acts 1, right, it says that he ascends to heaven. And after he ascended just right up to heaven, two angels showed up, right? And the angels say to the, the, the disciples, they say, men of Galilee, what are you looking at? right don't you realize this jesus who is taken from you into the heavens is going to come the same way that he left he's not coming in the form of a baby okay He's not coming as just a a new created person who got a new revelation and he's the new Messiah. When Jesus returns, he's coming the same way that he left. You can look in Thessalonians, you can look at Revelation, you can look at other passages. It all says the same thing of Jesus' return. And I understand that's basic. There's not many theologians, Christian theologians that argue this point, that Jesus is going to return. Let me just tell you one other thing that we know crystal clear. No one knows the time of his return. Everybody say no one. No one. one. Say "No no one. Listen, did you hear, did you hear what Jesus said, right? Did you hear? I mean, it's just crazy, right? Because it doesn't matter how many times you can read this in the Bible, there are people who still believe they can figure out, right, when judgment day is coming, right? They can get all these, you know, crowds of people together and they can say, oh, this is when Jesus is coming, right? It doesn't happen, right? If you want to prove your point, listen, go on Amazon and buy this book, right? 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1988, okay? And listen, you're not, you're going to realize that you're not buying the book to learn something about 1988, you're going to buy the book to realize whoever wrote it was not very smart. Well, maybe he was smart because he actually made 4.5 million dollars off that book, Okay, so maybe he was smart, and not only did he make that money, but he wrote a revised version for 1989, 1993, 1994, and 1997. I'm not joking about this. Like, when are we going to wake up and realize, right, that no one knows the time of Jesus' return? I mean, he literally says, but concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. I mean, not even the Son, not even Jesus knows when the Father is going to send him out. And so when we're, we're waiting and we're, we're looking for Jesus' return, we have to recognize that this is going to just come as a complete surprise. I mean, even literally in Acts 1, right before he was taken up, the disciples asked him again in Acts chapter 1, after he rose again, right before he ascended, he said, they came together, they said, Lord, they said, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Like Jesus, is this the time you're going to raise, you're going to come back and, and you're going to just wipe out the Romans and you're going to be the king? Is this the time? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the season that the Father, listen, has fixed by his own authority. It's fixed by God's authority, the exact time of Jesus' return. But he did say, next verse, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you that God's spirit will give us strength to walk in this world until Jesus' return. And that, I don't know about you, but that gives me strength. I won't know the time when God sends his son back, but I will be powered, empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's a good word for me, right? And we need to have faith in that, even though we don't know. Number three thing we, we know clearly from the word of God. There will be many deceivers. There will be many... Deceivers. Listen, if if there's one thing that overwhelmed me when I was studying this passage is just how much Jesus actually spoke in Matthew 24 about deceivers and false prophets more than he even spoke about the tribulation and the pain and the suffering that's going to come. I mean, the first thing Jesus says, right, the first thing Jesus says after he, when they go, how will we know the times? The first thing Jesus said in verse four, see that no one leads you astray. See that no one leads you astray. Listen, if Jesus is saying that right out of the gate, that tells me something. That we are all susceptible of being possibly led astray. And that we have to be very careful of what we're listening to and who we're listening to. Verse 11, many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Verse 23, if anyone says to you, look, there is the Christ, or here he is, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will arise. Listen, not only will they arise, they're going to perform great signs and wonders and miracles. They're going to lead people astray. But it says, see, I have told you this beforehand. Now listen, I I just want to find some balance here, right? Because we shouldn't just despise prophecy and be like, okay, I'm not gonna listen to any prophet then. I'm not gonna listen to any prophecy. No, prophecy is a gift of the Holy Spirit. But the Bible also says that we need to test what prophets say. We need to test prophecy. If someone says, I feel like God is saying this about the future, God's spirit can flow. It's God speaking a word in our life. Listen, but we need to test it. Because the trick is, and the scary thing is, that not only is Satan in the midst of a whole bunch of wickedness and and hedonism in the world today, but Satan sometimes disguises himself like an angel of light. And Satan loves to take things that look religious and look godly and get in the middle of it and then deceive people and slowly let them drift away from the word of God. He sees the long plan, not the short plan. He doesn't care if it takes 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. As long as he's slowly leading someone away from Jesus, that's all that matters. And sometimes when we even see all these crazy prophets, we just start closing our heart down to it and we close our heart to God and Satan wins that way too. Listen, we need to be wise. Just because there's large crowds, just because there's miracles doesn't necessarily mean it's of God but guess what? There could be large crowd in miracles, and it can be of God. We need to pay attention. Listen, I mean, it's incredible. One of the things that has happened over, like, COVID and just the ramping of of just media. I mean, there are so many prophets on YouTube, right? I mean, my wife and I were talking about this yesterday, right? We need to be careful. There's people that just are like, their YouTube channel, like, oh, I got up today and God spoke to me and and God just told me there's gonna be these words on TV, on the news, and this is the word you're gonna hear in the news this week. And and, and it's just like, or this is the word from you. And, And when you listen to it from a distance, if you just step back, it almost sounds like, like, um, like Christian um, uh, astrology, right? Like this is your word for the week, right? I mean, just step back and be like, is this, some, is this in line with the word of God? Is this bringing glory to Jesus? You know, because when the prophets of the Old Testament spoke, a lot of times they spoke words that would give glory to God and they spoke words that would say, you're walking away from God and you're not following God. And all of a sudden we can get so kind of wrapped into this and and we just have to be careful. Let me just say just a couple things super quick. How do we know if someone might be leading people astray? A couple things I would be concerned about. As your pastor, as maybe a shepherd here, right? Is this about Jesus or about the person? Meaning, if that person's ministry came to an end, Would it just be about that person or is that person's ministry all focused about giving Jesus glory and that that ministry continuing because they just want everybody to know Jesus and follow Jesus, right? That would be a question. Are they teaching the Bible plainly or are they coming up with new interpretations, right? Be careful. Are they using a lot of emotional experiences or events that are trying to purposely stir up people's emotions, are they just trying to gain wealth by their followers? Like, what is their true motive? Like, when I see, you know, these hundreds of thousands of views on YouTube, like, they're getting kickbacks for all that. When I see prophets, like, selling merchandise, my heart grieves. Because, like, they're making money off of that. Like, we do know that, right? Like, there, there, there could be some other motives to why they're doing it. I'm just saying, I would just be careful, Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying they are of God or not. I'm not calling out certain people. I'm just saying I would be careful. Listen, has their public prophecies come true? And if they haven't come true, have they publicly repented? Because if they publicly said something's gonna happen and then they just kind of like kick the can down the road and pretend like they never said it and they never came out and said, I said this publicly and it didn't happen. I said that God said that. I mean, do you know how many prophets said that Trump was gonna be in office this term, right? Like where are they all now? A couple of them have repented, okay? I haven't followed everyone, but I'm just a little like, it's something that I I come back. Because guess what? If somebody comes in our church and says, this is what God says, and it doesn't come true, I'm a little concerned about that, right? Right, church, we have to be wise, okay? Let me ask you this. Are they just 100% saying that they never make a mistake? I heard from God no matter what. I get concerned about that. I've been in ministries where the person who heard from God never made a mistake, And guess what? When they were saying things that God told them that wasn't in the Bible and I confronted that person, they said, I'd never make a mistake. This is what God said. Problem, problem, you know what? Guess what, there are times that I feel that God puts something on my heart. There's times people in this church, man, I feel like God's really putting something on my heart. Will you confirm it? Am I right, am I wrong? I understand my heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. So I wanna hear from God, but I want that to be tested. And I'm okay if somebody says, no, that is not of God. Okay, no big deal. Right? Like we're fallen people. So listen, these are things to just caution us on, right? because we need to recognize that there are many false prophets. And third, fourth thing that we all can know, listen, trials and evil will increase, right? I mean, when I, when I read these passages, listen, I know we all kind of dream of like this perfect Christian land on earth, right? But when I read scripture, scripture says things are going to get worse, not better, right? Scripture, when, when Jesus talks about all these earthquakes and, and all these famines that are going to happen, he says, these are but the beginning of birth pains, right? That the pain is, going to get worse until the birth, which is Jesus' return. And so as much as, again, I'm, I'm praying for our country, I'm praying for our kids, I'm praying for peace in my neighborhood and peace in my land, I recognize that the word of God actually says the trials and the tribulation and the evil will somehow get worse. Now maybe Jesus is going to come and take us back before it gets really bad. We can have that conversation at another time. But I just think it's clear things are not going to get better, that the evilness and the wickedness and even just some of the persecution that is in this world is actually going to get worse. Now, I, I get it. Devin, tell me something encouraging, right? Now, listen, we just have to be wise. I'm so thankful to grow up in an orchard. I'm so thankful to see season after season and all the fruit and all the blessing and be part of that. Jesus gives an orchard analogy, right? He says, how about we do this? How about we learn a lesson from the tree, the fig tree, right? right? You see buds coming out. You see blossoms coming out. It's a sign of summer, Same way, some of these tribulations, some of these issues that we're seeing, and we're seeing the world getting darker. We're seeing the world getting worse. We're seeing more persecution coming to believers and Christians. It's a sign for us to recognize, maybe we should start getting ready, right? Yes, there's a part of us that we're mourning, we're sad, we're angry at what's happening. Maybe we need to get ready, right? Maybe we need to just say, it's time to wake up. And, and, and here's, here's where I want this to lead to because, again, we can talk about all these things and we can study all these things and I can get in more in depth. Well, well Devin, why don't you talk about why, why it's pre trip or pro trip or one of those things. Listen, it, it's all about what are we supposed to do about it. All right, I want to take us to a place. So what? Okay, Jesus says this in Matthew 24. Things in this world are getting hard. So what? How does that affect me today? And I believe that God's word is clear, not just on what is going to happen, but I think it's pretty clear on what we need to do. So real quick, I'm just going to share a couple things on what I believe that God's word tells us we are to do. And I think it's I could, I could be here another two hours just hitting verse after verse after verse of God's word just speaking this to us. One, everybody say it. Be ready. Say it with me. Be ready. Come on, one more time. Be ready, right? We are called to be ready. You know, it's my son, um, one son plays baseball, and uh, he was in the outfield this year, and he wasn't that happy about it, would have loved to play in the infield, I wanna play a different base, but he's out in the outfield, right? So as a dad, right, coaching my son a little bit, I wasn't a coach, but on the sideline, through the fence, you know what I'm saying? Every single play, I'm like, come on, Get ready, right? Oh, the ball's not coming to me, right? Get ready. It's going to come. Now, he wasn't like that. Listen, he played great, had some awesome catches in the outfield. But it's hard to stand in the outfield, right, when you're not sure if the ball, if the little league kids can actually hit it that far, right? But you have to be ready. And listen, we are called to be ready, right? I mean, listen, if he literally opened up the clouds today and he came back, would you be ready? Would you be ready to go? When Jesus comes, and when it, if it comes so much quicker, are you ready today? We're not called to get ready tomorrow or the next day. We're called to be ready today. I mean, Jesus made it clear, right? He says, therefore, stay awake, for you do not know the day the Lord is coming. But know this, right, that when the master, if the master of the house had known, right, what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let the house be broken into. Therefore, you must also, everybody say it, Be ready, right? For the son of man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Do you see how what we know for sure that nobody knows when he's coming, do you see how that affects then how we are called to live? We are called to live in a state that we are ready for Jesus to return. And maybe you're here today and and your life is not right before God. Maybe you're here today and you just feel something separating you from Jesus. Listen, I can tell you today, today can be a day for you to just turn your heart to God and receive his mercy and grace, right? Jesus came first so that we would be saved, right? He's not coming the second time to to, to turn hearts to him. He's coming with judgment, and we are called to be ready. Second thing we're called to do, we're called to do his work, Right? We are called to serve Jesus and to do his work. Listen to what Jesus says again at the end of all this. Right, All this information about what's going to happen. I know it wasn't crystal clear. We don't know exactly. But what does Jesus say? He says, who then is the faithful and wise servant? It was almost like after all this talk, I come to this big point. Who's the faithful and wise servant? Right, whom the master has set over his household to give them their food in the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom the master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, what an incredible promise. I say to you, I'm gonna set him over all my possessions. I mean, isn't that hope for us, right? Isn't that some motivation for us to say, I wanna do what God wants me to do. I wanna, I just, God, whatever you want for me, God, here I am. I want to be your servant. See, some of us, we don't like that word. We, we like the word master, right? I'm in charge of my household. I'm in charge of my money. I'm in charge of my family. I'm in charge of my job. I'm in charge of this church. No, we are not called to be in charge of anything. We are called to be stewards. We're called to be managers, right? We're not in charge. We just manage, and we say, God, you have your way, right? And God, as I just manage what you've given to me, Lord, I just want to hear your voice, and I want to do what you call me to do. Because Jesus said twice in this passage, we just need to recognize, do you recognize, the gospel, it says, is going to go forth through all, listen, the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout all the whole world as a testimony to the nations. And then the end will come. That's our mission, church, right there. That's our mission. You want to know what God's asking us to do? We're called to take his good news throughout all the world. And if he's planted us in Burrsboro, that's where we're going to do it. If he relocates us someplace else, that's where we're going to do it. If we got people who are being called out on the mission field and to different parts of the world, we're sending them. We're supporting them. We're praying for them. We're helping that, right? Because this is the work that Jesus has called us to do. And we should never, never, right, stop doing that. Listen, if you wonder why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Some of you are thinking, okay, this is a great message about why Jesus oh, I mean about Jesus' return, but he hasn't come back yet. Why hasn't he come back yet? You know why? Because the gospel's still going forth because people are still hearing the good news, because people are coming to know Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news, right? Jesus says in Second Peter, it says, God isn't slow on keeping his promise. He's patient with us, not wishing anyone to perish. That's why he hasn't come back yet. One day he will. He's gonna say, time's up. By the authority of God, God's gonna say, this is the time, but I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that he's been waiting. Listen, that book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Christ Came Back in 19. 19- 1988? Who's thankful Jesus didn't come back in 88? Who didn't know Jesus in 1988? Come on, seriously, right? Who didn't know Jesus? And Jesus was merciful and kind to them and, and gracious even in the midst of their, your desire of wanting no part of God. But he was kind and generous, right? He doesn't want anyone to perish. So even though we're waiting, listen, we're called to do his work. I know there's so many reasons why not to serve Jesus. Oh, I don't feel comfortable serving. Oh, I don't know enough Bible. I'm not good enough, right? I'm a new Christian. I don't know how to speak. I'm too busy. Listen, there's one reason to serve Jesus, because he calls us to. That's the only reason. There's one reason he's called us to do it. I love that story last week that Scott shared about, I think it was Nathan, who, who Scott asked him to share, and Nathan was nervous, and forgive me if I messed it up just a little bit, but I, I know he was a little like, oh, I don't know, but he's on a mission trip, and Nathan's like, no, this is why I'm here, it is uncomfortable, I'm doing it anyway. Sometimes that's what we need to do. God, I'm just gonna do it anyway, because you called me to do it, and I'm doing it to honor you. We, we, we have to be ready, we have to do, our work, do his work. Third thing, this is a big one, we have to be careful not to drift, we have to be careful not to drift, right? It's just so easy to drift. It's so easy to get lazy. It's so easy to get complacent. Come on, how many of you guys, you've been calloused by things of of, of religious things, right? We get get cynical of people. We get emotionally hurt. We get just lazy watching whatever on TV or, or, or get sidetracked on different things, and we start thinking about different things that we think is important. We start thinking about our possessions and what we we have listen. It's okay to have possession. God blesses us, but we can drift, and they can become the priority instead of doing what Jesus has asked us to do. You know, it's it's just this this story right from the beginning. Right, Jesus leaves the temple, and all the, the disciples are like, "Wow, look at that amazing temple! Did you see the temple? Did you see all the buildings?" And Jesus is like, "Who cares about the temple?" Right, I mean, let that blow your mind for a second because the whole te- reason for the temple was to give praise and honor to the Father. And Jesus was saying, it's not about the temple because you're drifting. You're, you're putting something as more important than it should be. It's about just worshiping God with your heart. It's about having a relationship with God restored because of what I have come to do, right? And you are going to be the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? So don't get drifting about buildings, Maybe that's a word for us, churches. We're going to be homeless right soon, right? Maybe that's a word for us. Who cares about a building? As long as Jesus is being preached and proclaimed, as long as we're fellowshipping together, as long as we're worshiping God together, we have to keep him as the priority or we are going to drift. Oh, it breaks my heart. He says, and many false prophets will arise and lead, drift people away. And listen, and because of lawlessness, because of just letting sin into our hearts, compromise, oh, it's okay, I can do this, okay, nobody's going to know, oh, it's okay, God will forgive me later. Lawlessness will increase, and the love of many will grow cold. Do we even see in our nation that the love for people Amongst one another has grown cold over the years? Is it just me, or do you feel like just in our area that people don't love each other as much as they used to? People are skeptical. People are cynical, right? How many, what do you think? In America, have you seen the the love and the fire and the passion for God increase or decrease in the last 50 years? Has the love of God in America increased or decreased in the last 50 years? Oh, Jesus. We're drifting. We're drifting. Maybe there's some people here, you're drifting, right? The fire that you once had for God is not there. The love that you once had for God is not there. I'm not trying to condemn any person today. I'm just trying to hear God's word. And Jesus says, we need to be ready and we have to be careful. I don't want this to be said of us because the next word it says, he says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. I want us to endure to the end with all of our hearts Right? And listen, I, I I get it, right? Like like, this is scary, but we, we just need to, like, attach ourselves. Like, I just think of a boat in the water, right? And and the boat just, like, if you don't tie it down to anything, it's just going to drift away, right? It's just going to go out to sea and uh, into the, in the abyss of the sea, right? But what does a boat have? A boat has an anchor and a chain. And when a boat goes to where it needs to be, it, it drops that anchor so it doesn't drift, right? What is that anchor? That anchor is the Word of God. That anchor is our hope. And even though— listen, Listen, these are the things we need to do. We need to be ready, do his work, be careful of drifting. Listen, we need to hold on to hope. We need to hold on to it. We need to tether ourselves to it like never before to say, I don't care what happens. I am not going to let go of the hope that I know that I have in Jesus Christ. Listen, there are reasons for us to be discouraged. There's reasons we're suffering loss. Some of you are suffering pain. Some of you are suffering illnesses and sickness. Some of you are mourning death, right? Some of you just are dealing with failure, feeling shame, feeling guilt. Let me tell you something. The hope of Jesus Christ is greater than all those feelings. I, I didn't think I didn't get the response I was hoping for. The hope of Jesus Christ is greater than all those things. Amen. The hope of Jesus Christ is greater than any discouragement you have. The hope of Jesus Christ is greater than any failure that that has happened in your life. The hope of Jesus Christ is greater than any death that you're dealing with. The hope of Jesus Christ is greater than any way that you've been hurt or abused or or felt, um, you know, betrayed by a friend. Right? The hope of Jesus Christ is better. Right? The hope of Jesus Christ, I'm really sorry to disappoint some of you, is greater than the hope that America can give to us okay I love our country but that's not our greatest hope okay our greatest hope is Jesus Christ and here is why it's the greatest hope because it says in Titus 2 and we're ending with this don't worry it says in Titus 2 it says for the grace of God has appeared okay can we just stop there the grace of God has appeared mercy has come to us. Though we've turned away from God, God's come with grace. God's come with favor. God's come with love. Listen, bringing salvation for all people. Man, I am just so thankful that we're not like, hey, we, uh, we we're going to send a missionary out to Kenya, but uh, the grace of God isn't for that nation. I'm just so thankful that we're like, hey, we we're going to go over to Third Street in Birdsboro, but the grace of God isn't for those people. I'm so thankful that we, we're not like, oh, hey, oh, we are gonna tell you about Jesus. Oh, you got a tattoo? Oh, grace of God isn't for you. You're living together? Oh, grace of God isn't for you. No, the grace of God is for all people. Like, I'm so thankful, right? We never have to stop and say, God is the grace of God for someone, right? Now, here's what it does, right? When that salvation comes into a heart, what does it do? It trains us to renounce ungodliness, right? That grace comes in our lives. It transforms us from the inside out. We don't wanna live the way that the world lives anymore, right? We let go of worldly passions. We ask God to give us strength to live with self-control, to be upright and to have godly lives in the present age. Not because we're better than anybody, but because we wanna reflect God. Again, we wanna reflect Jesus. So all of a sudden we're gonna be transformed from the inside out because the Holy Spirit lives in our hearts and that Holy Spirit's working in us, right? And then it says this, I love it. It says, and while waiting for our blessed hope, what is that blessed hope? The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is what the hope is, the blessed hope that we hold on to and we never let go of. Listen, there's some, there's some hard issues that you're going through. I, I, I know that like it's just difficult as things are just getting darker. As we're just disappointed by things we see on TV, where sometimes we see things in our families and we're just like so so sad for different family members who might not be following Jesus or you know we're frustrated with our kids at times, right? We're frustrated with the system at times, right? I mean, we have massive disappointments. Some of you, you carry massive disappointments from your past. Oh, I've blown it, right? But listen, we have to recognize there is an amazing hope. Let me ask you a question. How many of you guys love seeing sunsets? Anybody love seeing sunsets, right? Don't you love it? Like nothing better, especially over water, right? Just those times where you get up and and you just stop and just think like, Wow, there's a ball of flames, right? 93 million miles away, right? Equivalents to roughly 100 ton of TNT going off every single second. God put it there so that we would have the perfect temperature within a range so that we could live as people. Isn't it incredible? And it's ginormous, right? I mean, so much bigger than earth. So let me ask you a question. What do you think is bigger in real life, that sun or this tomato? Wait, come on. Ha, 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 funny, right, right? you like, come on, Devon, don't even ask the question, right? Of course the sun is bigger. But you know what? Sometimes it doesn't matter how, much, how big the sun is, all I gotta do is do this. Close an eye, all I gotta do is do this. And right now, I can't even see that sun on that back screen. All I gotta do is do this. I can't see the sun, all I see is a tomato. That's all I see. My point? We let our burdens, our disappointments, our failures, all our struggles, and we just bring them this close in our eye, and we lose sight of the blessed hope that is coming in Jesus Christ. And we just need to sometimes take these issues and problems and struggles, and we need to put them in their proper place, and we need to keep our eyes fixed on the hope of Jesus so that we can live in that hope, so that we can be ready, so that we can keep doing what God's called us to do, so that we can tether ourselves so we don't drift away and and just uh, drift off into la-la land. No, we want our hearts to be close to God. Will you stand with me today, church? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, I just want to just take a moment to pray here. Oh, God, I'm just asking you right now. Lord, there are people in this room, there are people in this room that are just wrestling, feeling hopeless about situations in their life. Jesus, I just ask, Lord, today that you would awaken them to your greatest hope, which is your return, and that we could live in that hope. We can live with that blessed hope today. Lord, I pray for the person who just feels they're drifting today, Lord. There's people that they just feel like their love has grown cold in their heart. Yes, they're here today, but all in their heart, they just feel so distant from you, God. Lord, help us to stay awake. Help us to be ready. Lord, help us not to drift, God. Helps me looking for you, God. Father, I believe today, maybe you want to just call someone again today to your will and your purpose, God. That they've sitting on the sidelines and you're saying to them again, no, we're called to keep doing the work of God. And today, Lord, you'd speak to them. Lord, you change their heart to say whatever I gotta do, but God, I want to in some way, shape, or form serve you while I still have time. And Lord, maybe there's someone here today that they haven't received you. They, they, they don't know you as their Lord and Savior. They don't have a relationship with God. But God, today, Lord, would you just draw their hearts to you that today could be the day of salvation in someone's heart, that today someone would say, I want to be ready so that even if Jesus comes back on my way home today, I am ready because you call me to be ready. Oh, Jesus, would you please do that? Would you just come and would you just please minister to our hearts today? We love you and we thank you, Oh Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy that we don't deserve. We thank you, Lord God.